You know, the scripture doesn't suggest to us that love comes through most of the time. That love is something that we can count on for the most part. The message is that love never fails. Welcome to the Athens First United Methodist Church Sermons Podcast. I'm Kayla Thomason, a member of the communications team. We hope you enjoy this weekly resource. We begin a journey this week uh, titled Love Never Fails. Uh, that, <clears throat> that message is found throughout Scripture, but it's certainly found in Paul's letter, his first one to the Corinthians, uh, the 13th chapter, which is what we call in the church the love chapter. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. Love does not insist on its own way. Love is not irritable or resentful. Love does not rejoice in wrongdoing but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. And as for knowledge, it too will come to an end. But love never fails. You know, the Scripture doesn't suggest to us that love comes through most of the time. That love is something that we can count on for the most part. The message is that love never fails, that God's love for you and God's love for me is something that will never fail us. Sometimes I think we can come to a place where we might believe that because the outcome is not what we expected or what we hoped for, what we thought it would be. But the reality is the testimony of God is that God's love never fails. I find that an interesting message in this particular time we're living in in history. Since March of 2020, uh, we all have recognized how different this period is. All of us would say we've never really lived through a time like this. We've never been in a circumstance that disrupted our lives quite in the way it has. And we've all been affected by it. There are experiences that you have and that I have that are related primarily to us and those who love us. Those who love us enter into those experiences, but they're not a collective experience. If, if you become ill, uh, that's something that happens to you. And, and people rally to you and support you and love you, but there are people throughout the world who have no idea what's going on with your life. 
It is a rare circumstance when we can look around and say, the entire world is experiencing something. And if, and if we ask you today, uh, what, what are the things about this experience that bother you the most? What are the things about the last 18 months that have been the most difficult for you? What big change have you had to make as a result of all that we have been going through? And we all would have an answer and we likely it would have a very different answer. Some would say this and some would say that. But one thing we would all say is that we have not moved through the last year and a half unaffected by what's been going on in our world. Years ago, there was a, a Broadway play, Green Pastures, that won the Pulitzer. It was the first all African-American cast in the history of Broadway. And there is a line in that play that, that one of the characters declares, everything nailed down is coming loose. And for me, that captures the last 18 months. So many of the things that I never imagined, so many of the things that, that I depended on, that I counted on, that I assumed, that I never really even thought much about, those things that seem so steadfast and so nailed down, they've become a little bit shaky. The ground beneath my feet has not been quite the same. You can't go there, and if you do go there, something might happen that could affect your life. And are you wearing a mask or not wearing a mask? Are you inside? Are you outside? I mean, we've had all manner of things that have come our way. So that life has been disrupted for everybody. And there have been occasions when I've thought, man, everything nailed down is just coming loose. Just like the character. Did you know that Bible searches in 2020 have been up 80%? Now that tells us that people are looking for something that can add to their life. Something maybe that will bring them some comfort or some stability or some reassurance or some hope. But when people start searching the Scriptures in a significant way, you know that folks are looking for something because everything nailed down seems to be coming loose. And into this circumstance we're in, into these lives that we're living, comes this word, love never fails. There is nothing more dependable, there is nothing more unchanging, declares God, than my love for you, than my love for this, this world. And then we get to decide whether or not we can accept that or not. In my eighth year on this earth, I climbed the ladder at the Firecracker Motel, the pool ladder. It was the high dive. And I climbed the high dive and I walked out the board to the end of the plank. And I looked down and my dad was in the pool below encouraging me to jump. I had never jumped from the high dive into that pool. They would invite us, because we were next door, to swim in the pool once a summer. So from four to eight, we had been over there swimming in the pool once a summer. But this particular summer, my dad decided this will be a good time to experience the thrill of jumping off the high dive. I did not find it 
particularly thrilling to walk out to the end of the diving board that day and look down at my dad. And he kept saying, come on, you can do it. Jump to me, jump to me. And finally, after much coaxing, I, I, I leapt off that diving board. And when I hit the water, I sunk like a stone like we all do. And it was not something that was thrilling me. It was something that was intimidating me. And then I felt my father's strong arms catch me right underneath the armpits and lift me uh, out of that water. The only reason I jumped that day was not because I was so confident that I was amazing. It wasn't because I thought I was Tarzan who could swim the rivers of the Amazon. It was because my dad, I trusted his love for me. That his love would not fail me. Now there were occasions in my life when my, my dad loved me, but he failed me because he's an imperfect person. There have been times in my life, as much as I love my daughter, when I have failed my daughter because I, I don't love perfectly. But the testimony of our passage this morning is that love never fails. What can you say that about other than God's love? But how much do I trust that? Do you recall the story of the man who inched over to the edge of the cliff and stumbled and fell? And halfway down he grabbed a branch and he was holding on to the branch. It was about 500 feet up to the cliff, top of the cliff, and another 500 feet down uh, to the bottom. And he hung there halfway between the top and the bottom. And finally, as he was about to give out, he looked up at the heavens and he said, Is anybody up there? And the voice of God responded, Yes, I am here. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Trust me and let go. And he looked back up to the heavens and he said, Is somebody else up there? <laughs> we feel that way sometimes. God declares to us, Trust me and let go. And yet we struggle to be able to trust the love of God enough, a love that is declared to be so steadfast that it never fails. But sometimes we think it has failed us because we didn't get the outcome we had hoped for. Paul, who wrote these words, writes to the Romans, three times I prayed for this thing to be delivered from me. He calls it a thorn in the flesh. I don't think he was talking about a literal thorn. I think he was talking about something bothers me. It's intimidating and it's inhibiting and I want it to be gone. And so I prayed to God three times, deliver me and take it from me and God has never taken it away. 
And God responded, my grace is sufficient for you because my power is made perfect in your weakness. That may not be the outcome that we want, but that is a love that never fails. Because if I know anything as I stand before you today, I know this. God's grace is sufficient for every single moment of your life. The challenge is whether or not I can believe that and be available to it. Love never fails. But am I able to open my heart and welcome it? Bill Parcells is a football coach, was a football coach, Hall of Fame. And they talk about a coaching tree all those coaches who came from that coach. He has an impressive tree. Bill Belichick came from that, is on that tree, came from that coach. So is Nick Saban. So is Kirby Smart. There are a lot of coaches on the Parcells tree. And he's attributed with saying, the player's best ability is his availability. And now we hear that all over everywhere. Well, the best ability is availability. Well, the best ability is availability. I don't care how fast you run, how far you jump, how far you can throw it. If you're not available to me, then your ability is useless. So your best ability is your availability. I think about that in regard to my own life sometimes. Do I make myself available to what's being offered? Am I capable of opening up my life in a way that receives whatever God is trying to give me? The parable of the sower is an interesting parable in that it's about availability. The sower goes out to sow and he tosses seed around. And some of the seed falls on a hardened path, hard pan as they call it in Warrington. Some of it falls in shallow soil. Some of it falls among the thorns and thistles in the thicket. And some of it falls in fertile soil. And so the seed that falls on the hard pan just doesn't do anything. It's not because the seed has a problem. It's because the soil is not available to the seed. The seed that falls in the shallow soil, for a while it does something. It produces something, but nothing steadfast because the roots cannot go down deep enough and so the sun comes and withers it away because there's just not enough substance there. And then the seed that falls among the thorns and thistles, it tries to survive, but it's overwhelmed by its surroundings. There's so much going on that's overwhelming. There's so much going on that is so intimidating. There's so much going on to pay attention to that none of that can grow. But it is not because the seed is no good. It's because the soil is unavailable. But that seed which falls in the fertile soil grows and it flourishes. And it bears fruit. Love never fails. But I'm not always available to it. Here again, love is patient. Are you always available to that? Love is kind. It doesn't say in some circumstances. It just says love is kind. 
Am I always available to that? Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It's none of those things. Am I available to that? Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Am I available to that? Because the seeds are ready to be planted in my life. But if I am completely honest with you, I'm not always ready to do what that unfailing love wants to do within me. A number of years ago when I was a campus minister at Reinhardt, another young man was with me in that ministry. He had graduated from Candler School of Theology at Emory and then gone to Philadelphia to pursue another master's degree at Eastern College in Philadelphia. He had finished that degree and he had come back and he and I were at Reinhardt together. His mentor and his... <clears throat> His supporter at Eastern College was a fellow by the name of Tony Campolo. Now, Tony Campolo is a writer and a preacher. He's a, he's a provocative thinker. It's hard to go and be with Tony Campolo without being challenged. And so because of his connection with Tony and the desire to expose Tony to the students at Reinhardt, uh, David invited him to come down and he agreed to come for three days. And we put him in different settings where he could be with students. But after he would finish each day, we would go to dinner and we'd have time for conversation. And for me, that was my favorite part of the day. And we were talking about this passage, this idea of, of God's love and how it's described here in Scripture in 1 Corinthians 13. And this notion that love never fails. And how do we understand that? And how do we experience that? And his thought on that was the key is availability. Whether or not the church can love well is determined by whether the church is available to loving well. And if we're not available to it, then obviously we won't. But if we're available to it, the possibility exists that love won't fail because we're available to something that God wants to give us. But so often he talked about the history of the church and how we have failed again and again and again and again and again. We've not always been a loving witness to the world. That God's love never fails, but you and I have to be available to that love that is unfailing. So anyway, we're having this conversation. And he said, honestly, there have been times in my life where I just did not want to love the lengths to which I was being called, the thing that I was being asked to do, I just didn't want to do. Haven't you been there? Where you, you didn't want to do it. Maybe you were upset by something, frustrated, disappointed, angry, and, and you just didn't want to love in that moment. You didn't want to make yourself available to this love that never fails. I've been there. I will confess my sin and not ask you to do so. And to illustrate that point, and he confessed his sin, he said, I was on my way to work. I walked to work. I was walking on Chestnut Street, which is center city in Philadelphia. Had a coat tie on, looked like a company man. 
And I was walking down the sidewalk and I looked out ahead of me and there was a guy standing there and he was a street guy, lived on the street. And said he was filthy. He looked like a chimney sweep, like he had just been up a chimney. He had soot and dirt all over him, like he had not bathed in a month. He had clothes that looked like they had never been washed. And I noticed he had a McDonald's cup of coffee in his hand. And he was drinking that coffee. The closer I got to him, the more I could smell him. It was overpowering. And I wanted to just, you know, pass by. And not really make eye contact or be noticed. And he said, I came, I came to that point where I was about to pass him by. And he said, good morning, mister. <laughs> Why did he have to greet me? And then he asked me this, good morning, mister. Would you like a sip of my coffee? And he said, the rim of that cup, I'm telling you, it was not pretty. And Campola at this point has got me. I'm saying, well, what did you do? He said, well, he offered me something. He was generous with me. And so I was generous with him as much as I hated it. And I said, sure. And he handed me the cup. And I rolled it around trying, you know, to find a clean spot. And I finally found one that wasn't too bad and I took a tiny little sip and I handed it back to him. And I looked at him and said, what can I do for you today? I knew what was coming. He, I had a $5 bill in my pocket. I knew I had it in there and I was ready to buy him a biscuit with his McDonald's coffee. And to my great surprise and dismay, he said, I'd like a hug. And I thought to myself, I'd rather give you $50. <laughs> he opened those arms and he walked toward me. And I was hoping maybe it would be one of those, yeah, good day, nice to see you. But it wasn't. He walked into me and he, he wrapped me up. I didn't want to be available to that moment. And I wrapped him up. And he's patting me on the back and about to lift me off the ground. And I'm patting him on the back. And people are walking by looking at us. The smell was awful. And when I got close to him, he had that long beard and there was rotted food in that beard. And there we were on Chestnut Street, just hugging it up. <laughs> and he wouldn't let me go. Wasn't a quick hug. And as I stood there with that guy on Chestnut Street, I felt as if the voice of God just echoed through the corridors of time.
I was hungry. And you fed me. I smelled awful. And you hugged me. I was that street guy on Chestnut Street in Philadelphia. And you made me feel loved. Love never fails. That's the testimony. That God's love will never fail. But I have to be available to it. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Love never fails. May we live our lives available to responding to that love in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. God, we confess that sometimes we don't trust your love. Sometimes we don't want to love the way you love. But the truth of that and the responsibility of that is inescapable. So here we are, confronted with an unfailing love and a decision as to whether or not we will embrace it and receive it and then offer it. May we make you smile today by the way we love one another. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. To listen to more sermons, read past devotions, or look up opportunities on how to connect, visit us at AthensFirstUMC.org. Stay in touch with us throughout the week by following us on Instagram or Facebook at Athens First UMC. Thank you.